What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is an MLB update. It is just myself, but I bring on my lovely wife, Emily Cannell, previously Emily Anderson, third and girl, to talk about the Phillies. We talk about them for the first bit of the podcast. I then jump in for the rest of it, talking about the rest of Major League Baseball, what I think of it so far since the last time we did an MLB update. It was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. Let us know in the comments or tweet at us. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. Join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. Search the Bullpen Cart wherever you get your podcasts. But enjoy the episode. Enjoy the baseball. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for the first time since becoming my wife, <laughs> Emily Cannell. How are you? I'm good. I talk to you all day, so I would say, how are you? But I know you're fine. But I'm good. That's good to hear. <laughs> well, bringing you on... Because we're gonna run through, we're gonna run through a number of teams, but we're gonna start in the NL East and specifically with our Phillies. We haven't had a baseball update in a couple of weeks, and it's been a good couple of weeks for the Phillies. Yeah, I volunteered my services for the Phillies and the Phillies only. Um, I don't really follow any other teams, so I was like, I can talk about the Phillies, and that's it. So here I am. Yeah, the rest of the show will be a solo podcast. But bringing on Emily to talk about the Phils. We've been to a number of games. What have your experiences been like at the ballpark? Tell tell the fans. Um, the games have been good. I've been to two, I think. That's right. Yeah, you weren't at one that I went to. Right. right one was delightful and warm. The other one was freezing cold, and I had to buy a new ski hat. Um, but it was fun nonetheless. We got to go to the uh, the Mets game where they cleared the bases, which was always fun. I mean, the bullpen. The benches, yeah. Bullpen, benches, and the bullpen. Yeah, the bullpens ran out, yeah. Yeah, it was very fun. Um, I love a good fight in sports, even though it was more of just a lot of, like, yelling and pointing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's been good. I've had a lot of hot dogs, and it's been good. What is your opinion of the team so far? I like this team a lot, minus... The center field issues. Yes. Um, Both for baseball and personal. other baseball reasons. Yes. yes. I. But other than that, I really like this team. Andrew McCutcheon is starting to get his bat back a little bit. He had a really kind of slow late April, early May. Both defensively, he's still not like quite where he should be somehow. But um, the other night he had two home runs, which was really fun. Um, Reese Hoskins is hitting really well. He's probably my favorite Philly, so I'm happy to see him doing well because I think he kind of needed a good year. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he is slugging the crap out of the ball. He's not walking a ton, but who on the Phillies really is? I mean, Reese is probably the the poster child of it, though, of eight walks, 40 strikeouts. Um, Bryce Harper, I know he's missed a few games, but he's striking out a lot less. It seems like, you know, Sunday... Night against the Mets, notwithstanding, Reese close to a home run. 
You know, you mentioned that was the only game they won against the Mets. They've struggled really against New York, but the other teams, they seem to do well against. They just swept the Brewers. We're recording this Thursday evening, post-work. That was a huge series. I mean, it was a lot of one-run games. This was a 2 nothing win. And the bullpen woes that happened, there were a lot of injuries, so that, that helped towards it. But a lot of those bullpen woes seemingly are starting to resolve themselves. I mean, obviously, Zach Wheeler went the distance. But even in those other games where it seemed like, oh, this seems like a 2019-2020 game for the Phillies, that the bullpen's just going to blow, you know, runner gets on base, and you go, oh, there goes the lead. Not so much against the Brewers. Yeah, and I think that the Phillies had, like, eight one-run games in a row. Something like that, that. which is crazy. Like, if they had had a one-run game today, that would have been a team record. Um, But they won by two today instead of one. I think it was the good fight when the Phillies went up 5-0 Wednesday night. Five-run first inning. They put up, I think it was them, it could have been absolutely hammered. Another podcast. Mm -mm. Shout out them, even though we don't know them. They put up a poll, will this be a one-run game? And I immediately voted yes. Yeah. It's like Didi had just hit the grand slam. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be it. And lo and behold, 5-4 final score. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, I the bullpen is better. They, they're just not, like, consistent. Like, like that game, like, they had a five-run first inning, and then they that's the only offense, and then, you know, they let the Mets get back into the game. So... No, the Brewers. Or the Brewers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was looking at a different game. Yeah, you're fine. But they let them get back to back into the game, you know? That that should be like a like a fire starter to like ha- put up these like huge offensive numbers, you think, and it just doesn't seem to be happening for the Phillies, but at the same time they're first in the East, um then at least. I'm used to talking basketball or I just say first in the East. No, no, no. Makes and, sense. It and happens. um which is good to see, I think. Also, something that I wanted to talk about was how everyone was saying that the NL East is, like, the best division in baseball, but they're not playing to it. And I wanted to get your opinion because, personally, I think that they are just... All these teams in the NL East are just beating up on each other. And they're, like, performing at kind of an even level, which is making their records even and not that good because they just keep playing each other and beating up on each other, basically. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the Phillies are 17-15 and 15 after Thursday's game. They've played the East in 17 games. They're 7-8, and eight, so they're under 500 in the division, two games above 500. You know, so they're 10-7 and seven outside of the division. They've played just about half, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a little more than half outside of the division. Mets are 9-5 and, or, are in the division, 13-13 and 13 overall. So doing really well against their own opponents – not so good against everybody else. Braves, same thing. They're just about half for everything. S- seven and eight. Uh, the Washington Nationals are under five hundred. The Marlins are under five hundred. So it's the Mets capitalizing on this, and they're only five hundred. So these other teams, they're they're doing a good job of playing against teams. And before this week, if we'd recorded this on Sunday night, and they just played the Mets, and you know they're at that point they're two games under five hundred, but. You're asking me that question, and I would say, yeah, it's just beating up on each other, and it's the Mets to lose. And the and the fact also to extend that point, and where I was getting to is that these teams have played, you know, okay competition outside of the division. The Phillies play the Rockies; they're not that good. They've played the Cardinals, who haven't played them very well throughout this year. They had that really gritty series in St. Louis last week, and then when they were at Citizens Bank Park, you know, they were okay. 
but they just beat up on a team who arguably, arguably was one of the hotter teams in baseball coming into this series in Philadelphia, and it was you were hoping to get some sort of a split, maybe get three. You got all four, so that's something that's huge. To your point, the one-run games, the Phillies have 15 of their games. They've played 32. 15 of their games are one-run games. They're 9-6 and six now in those. So they went from 6-6 six and six to 9-6 and six throughout that. Um, by far one of the best, th- best one-run records in baseball. I'm trying to see if anybody else has nine wins. The answer is no. There's a couple teams with seven, Seattle and Oakland, a couple teams with six, the Mets, the Giants, who are in first place, the Cubs, who are 6-3, and three, the Kansas City Royals, who are about to lose, so their record might change. Uh, their one-run record might change if they can get a rally. So the Phillies are getting the job done. The one-run is one of the more telling stats of where this might go for the postseason. The fact that that's above 500 is good. There's some teams that go into the postseason that have under 500 one-run, one-run records, and they lose, and people are like, where did this come from? Tighter games, tighter situations, bullpens fall apart. Find all that sort of stuff out. The bullpen certainly, we're not giving them a pass for the year. The one game they did lose against the, the Cardinals was lost in extra innings on a passed ball by David Hale, a guy who really is not a fan of mine. He's not a fan of yours? Or of anybody's, really. Oh. Oh, see what you're saying. <laughs> I'm like, not a fan knows, of his. He knows you. He might know me. He, he might. might say fuck you. Um, but yeah, he's been atrocious. Um, Coonrod, love him. It's been great. But the starting pitching, Nola, Eflin, Wheeler, has been awesome. But the other two, primarily Moore and Anderson. Moore obviously had COVID, so Vinny V has subbed in for a couple starts. Not great. So, what is your thought? Did they need to be proactive and try to go out and get somebody? Did Dave Dombrowski? need to try to beat the market to getting a, f- a number four man, a number five man? What do you think they can do from here to make those days for the fourth and fifth starter? Chase Anderson won yesterday, but that's not going to last. This is early Eflin mania where he is my boy. I wanted to buy Eflin stock early, but it was it was tough stock to hold. <laughs> what do you think the Phillies should do? Um, I don't... I don't think they need to, like, go all in and try and get a fourth or fifth pitcher. I mean, how many teams have, I mean, the, you can answer this question maybe, like, how many teams have, like, four great starters? A lot? Great is not really great, but serviceable. That's what we're looking for here. And mm-hmm. You can say Anderson's done okay. His ERA, despite having a good start last game, is 5.54. What's his record? One and three. Okay, that's bad. And then Velasquez is 1-0 in three starts. Matt Moore is 0-1 in three starts. He's also come out of the bullpen once. So it's not great. They're both, their combined ERA, average ERA, whatever you want to do, is definitely above five, and it's at least above six. Velasquez is almost at five. Hale, our boy, bullpen guy, but he's a, he's a 6.5. So it's kind of interesting to see how this team is going. We mentioned the center fielding stuff, and I'm going to use this to finish on pitching, then go to center field. Spencer Howard, who's back down in Lehigh Valley to be a starter, that's an option, and I hope that's what the Phillies decide to use. The Iron Pigs have now started play. They started play the other day. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that turns into something there. Um, but center field has been a complete clusterfuck all over the place. You have Roman Quinn. He's on the IL right now. You have 
Adam Hazley, who's been hurt and in and out of the lineup. You have Mickey Moniak, who's back up on the team right I don't now. Know that Adam Hazley's hurt. Oh no, you're right. Adam Hazley just he left the team. Yeah, we don't really. We don't know, know what happened, to Adam Hazley. I forgot that's what. That's I hope exactly he's what okay. I don't know. Um, he's on the the restricted list right now. But finally, you have Odubel Herrera. The the personal reason problem with him. He's been bad at the plate, batting 111 right now. He's been fine in the field, but really a huge blind spot of the Phillies to not address this in spring training. He was a spring training invite, started off fairly hot, if I remember correctly, then stunk for the rest of it. So, I mean, what is your thought there? You obviously, before all the stuff that happened with him, was a big fan, then instant loss of fandom when that happened, and rightfully so. If you don't know what happened, just Google it. Google Odubo Herrera, but it's very bad stuff, so take our word for it. What do you think the Phillies should have done with this whole scenario? Um, I think that they're kind of in a between a rock and a hard place a little bit. I mean, personally, I would like them to have just kept Maniac up. I thought he was fun. I like I as a a Sixers fan I have I like upstart young guys. I like playing young guys and seeing what can happen. Um, it kind of goes with the ethos of the process, but, um, so I would have liked Maniac. The other thing I've been hearing a lot on podcasts and things is the potential, um, to put Maton, 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 how do you say it? Maton! It's Maton. Maton. I pronounce it French. For some unknown reason. Um. It sounds like Baton. Maton. <laughs> Maton in center field. He, he's really making as like a push to kind of stay up in the big leagues. He's been playing really well, but with Gene Segura, Segura coming back, um, I mean, he's been playing in his spot, essentially, and he's kind of fighting to stay up in the big leagues, so a place for him could be potentially center field. He's never played center field, but at the same time, like, can it get worse than it is right now? Like, maybe he goes to Lehigh Valley and plays a cup starts a couple games in center field just to get his feet wet and then they send him back up. I don't know. I think that's another explorable option, which I've definitely stolen from smarter people than me on Twitter. So yeah, it's just a weird scenario of that. They could have made this decision. It's clear that he's not the future. He's not good anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he did while he was out. Like other teams have had this problem too, right? A role Chapman is the first one that comes to mind where he had it for his first stint with the Yankees. He didn't play. He got traded to the Cubs, won a World Series, then signed with the Yankees. Another Yankee, Herman, another example of this. He just came off of a year-long suspension. Charges were dropped. If they cut him, there's something with the union that makes it all weird. It's just strange that he's in the final year, I believe, of his deal, and he's not clearly not the future. They're not going to just re-sign him or make him a Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, you know, stand, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use for it. So why not let Moniak, why not let uh, Maton, although he's been great in the infield when he's had to stop, start for Segura, when he's had to start for Gregorius. And Gene Segura, you're right, is about to, I think is about to get reactivated. Mm-hmm. He's been in Lehigh Valley and I think is playing. Yeah, he's I, been playing. I think he's playing... I think it was his last game today, so yeah. Thursday. So he might play over the weekend. Um, but it's, you know, it's something that you, you, you're you trying to figure it out of where to put him. I don't know. I'd rather see a young guy go in there and not a guy that has this tarnished image to him. 
Like we went to the game on Friday, and there was somebody outside the stadium with a you know this is embarrassment to the team, or I'm not quoting it exactly. Yeah. And like the second chances, people, all that sort of stuff. Great, you know. I, I don't agree with your thought process, but you can't argue that statistically he's horrible. Yeah. So that's that's where I come down on it. Of I I don't think he does, considering the images that came out there. I get the charges were dropped, but statistically he's been bad, and he cannot be of service to the team. He's older. Let his contract die out, and let a younger guy try to prove himself, especially a number one overall pick or a rookie who came out firing out of the gates. Yeah. I agree. It's it is weird though. I mean, this isn't the first time the Phillies have just like there's been like a domestic violence thing, and the Phillies have kind of just been like, okay, they're yeah, gonna one, play. Yeah, one of them won a World Series with them. Yeah. So yeah. and it was notably the closer of the year they broke their playoff drought year. Yeah. Yeah. And times have changed, and people are more aware of these things. I was, you know, eighteen. I don't remember people caring about it then. No. I'm glad people care about it now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if the, if the Phillies think that they are gonna, you know, make the playoffs and they're just trying to do that and doing whatever they can to win, but I don't know that, I mean, Herrera is not good, like you said. So yeah. like, I, I like the, I like trying Maton in center field. Let's see what happens. People, the people in like major league baseball are just so good and athletic at baseball in general. Like I know he's never played there, but I'm sure he can catch a fly ball. If he's willing to do it. You gotta try it. I feel like. I mean, if it keeps he's him earned, up in the majors, why wouldn't he try it? He's definitely earned himself some sort of shot to be an everyday player. In 16 games, he's batting 309. He does not have a home run yet, but he's been a serviceable member of the team, and that's that's what you want. Going back to the pitching, to see how this is all going to go, and hopefully Bryce Harper gets inserted back into the lineup soon. That's probably also a big part of why this four game sweep was so. Surprising, but important that he didn't play in a single one of those games. JT Remuto did not play today. I think he missed another start in there. But Andrew Knapp has been, has been solid, obviously behind the plate, but or behind the plate, but at the plate has been serviceable. But the problem is, is that if you start depending on the top half of your lineup too much, this was the early Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins years of before Shane Victorino really came into his own, before Carlos Ruiz really came into his own. Pat Burrell was obviously Pat the Bat, mm-hmm. so we'd include him with that too. But he eventually got moved down the lineup because these guys found themselves in there. And you don't want that bottom half, bottom part of the order, not even just half, but even just 7-8-9, obviously he's pitcher spot, National League team. You don't want that to be terrible. Yeah. And having it center field woes, which if people aren't Phillies fans and you're not sure what we're talking about, at one point they were 0-18, for 18, <laughs> and it was broken up by a home run from Mickey Moniak, and then it was like 0 for 16. Yeah. So they were 1 for 20-something with a home run. Center fielders were. And then they joked when Moniak played right field for Bryce Harper, like, oh, all you got to do is move him over, and that's how we get it done. But you need those spots at least hitting the Mendoza line 200. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the Phillies? Um, They're fun. I like them. I like the people on this team. I hope that Scott Kingery figures it out because I really like him as well. Yeah. Um, I'm happy Reese is having a good year. I want JT to start hitting more home runs. He's not really slugging the ball that well this year. I feel like, I mean, 477 I don't slugging know percentage. I, he does, I just feel like he doesn't have a lot of home runs. He's second on the team in OPS, three home runs. 
But you're right. I need more. Is behind Reese, who at one point was the major league leader, Bryce Harper, McCutcheon, and Gregorius. Yeah. He's tied with Alec Bohm, which I don't know if that's updated as of today. I don't, yeah. So he could be behind Alec Bohm. Yeah, so like, JT should be hitting more home runs than Alec Bohm. Sure. He has less at-bats, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's only played in 29 games. Bohm has played in 31. Uh, but McCutcheon's played in 27. Bryce Harper's only played in 24. Yeah. So we need JT to get some home runs. Yeah, JT he, bombs are fun. I want they are, more. They are a lot of fun. He's fourth on the team in RBI. Yeah. So that's at least good. They're starting to figure it out in terms of the offense. They're still negative in the run differential. Mm-hmm. They've now started to claw their way out of the shitty offense territory that we were talking about two weeks ago. Greg and I were, but they are. Let's see where they rank in, in terms of the whole league. I was going to try to just name the National League. They're 22nd in runs. So they. I feel like if JT picks it up, that number decreases. They move up the ladder and on there. Yeah. But it's the same thing with pitching. You need it out of out of the starters. You need to figure out that, that fourth and fifth. They were one of the better batting average teams, and that number has gone down. They're below average now, but they're winning more baseball games. That's all you can, all you can ask for. Yeah, agreed. Wins are fun. Um, those are my thoughts on the Phillies. Couple final thoughts. You have more final thoughts. Well, you asked me about the Arizona Coyotes, the awesome jump in on the date. Do you want to use that as a bleacher creature? Oh yeah. Um, if anyone didn't see, there was a friend, a guy on Twitter. I can look up his Twitter handle, and he had tweeted at the Arizona Diamondbacks like, "Hey, my roommate." is in on a date like can you let me know how it's going he's wearing this and they were like i don't see him and then they found him and they put him up on the big screen and all this stuff and it was a big thing on twitter and then the they like there was a third date and i guess the arizona coyotes probably gave them tickets and they had these really cool, like, throwback Coyotes jerseys on. And I was like... Kachina jerseys. I was like, shit, I need a jersey. So I... And so then they... The the guy and the girl tweeted, like, there could be a fourth date. What do you think? At Suns. So, like, uh, now they're great. trying to go to a <laughs> Suns game. I'm like, yeah. you work this system. Like, by the time, then it'll be Cardinal season and you can just make it four yeah. for four. But That's awesome. That's like the guy who'd never watched a hockey game before. And he was live tweeting a Blues playoff game, and he yeah. got to go to the next home game because he went viral. Yeah, it was it's, pretty awesome. It's very fun, you yeah. know. People do, and I just this is just a thing on social media. Like, I don't know. Maybe that guy thought that it would be a thing, but like, if I DM the Phillies that my friend is on a date, I don't really expect them to answer. It's yeah, just yeah. like kind of a fun thing, and like when things actually like do take off or work out, I think that they're fun and. I like fun stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right, well, Emily, thank you for jumping on. You're more than welcome to come on whenever you want to talk about the Phillies or any other happenings that you saw. What did you think of Star Wars night? <laughs> on ESPN? Yeah. It was goofy. I wanted more. What was be- that? How was it compared to Marvel <laughs> night? Well, Marvel night was, like, yeah. a thing. Like, Marvel night was, like, almost too goofy. And Star Wars Night was not goofy enough, so okay. I needed, like, like I really wanted them to, like, I only watched for a little because I was watching the game and there were no, the like... Phillies game, yeah, you're flipping between two. Well, no, I was watching the, the baseball, the ESPN baseball game, and there were no, like, in-game effects. Like, in Marvel, 
they had like VR t- Iron Men sitting on top of the the basket, and like they had like smoke trails when people would shoot a, a three pointer, and like little comic book signs that said like Hulk smash if someone like the ball went out of bounds. It was so weird. And then at Star Wars night, I half expected like someone to go up to the plate and them to like have a fake lightsaber in their hands, and there was none of that. And then it was just like Tim Kirch is in a Yoda mask, and I was like, well, that was hilarious. I just wanted. I wanted more. Okay, so it sounds like the Marvel Night was the Nickelodeon NFL game on steroids, but in a bad way. Yeah, but I also kind of thought it was funny. Okay, yeah, it's like how I really love Nickelodeon Night, and you're like, what is this? Yeah, like... the I really love Nickelodeon. I've talked about it on the podcast, for those that don't know. But they did the Nickelodeon game, they did the Splash and all that. Yeah, like they had this weird like game in a game on Marvel Night where it was like the Warriors and the Pelicans were playing, but then there were also six players on the teams, three on each team, who were backed by Marvel superheroes, and then they were playing for hero points. And then whoever had the most hero points, I guess, would become like an honorary Avenger. Like it was very strange. Draymond had the most hero points, but not the most points in the game. Because you, like, lost points if you missed shots. It was, like, a full-on, like, separate scoring system for hero points. So it was, like, a little bit too convoluted, but it was funny. That's strange. It was strange, but I, like... Dr. Strange. He was... I forget who he backed. Oh, he he, he was was involved in this, okay. He was involved in this, the Sorcerer Supreme. And, yeah, but I kind of, like, live for this goofy shit. Like, I love it. Like, the... Who was it? What mascot just signed like a a part a promo? The Suns Gorilla. The Suns Gorilla. Yeah. Yes, just signed a, like a deal with a local like lifestyle brand to like supply his like tunnel clothes and sneakers. And I'm like, <laughs> that's hilarious. And then there's like pictures of him signing the deal and like dapping up the owner of the store in like this full on gorilla costume. Like it's so funny and like that people like take it seriously but don't take it seriously. Like that's my favorite part of like sports and social media like this like weird intersection of like goofiness but also like that's oh, kind of a good idea um that's the kind of shit i like so i love it all right well where can they all find you um i'm on twitter at third and girl with underscores on both sides of the and i'm close to a thousand followers so if anyone wants to get me there i'd love it and podcast Oh, and the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I co-host the Gastroenteritis Blues on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, and we drop episodes either late Sunday night or early Monday morning, and then we also are on Locker Room, like, once a week. We can come and, call, like, talk to us if you want, or, like, give your hot Sixers takes, or just talk about TV or whatever we feel like talking about that day. Love it. All right, well, Emily, thank you. We will talk to you soon. See ya. A special thanks again to my wonderful wife, Emily, for hopping on there. That was a lot of fun. Originally, I was going to do this whole episode solo, but she wanted to come on and talk about the Phillies, so I'm glad that we were able to make that work. Let's take a look at the rest of the National League. Some shocks, both positive and negative. The Phillies obviously being in first place right now, a little bit of a shocker, considering their run differential is negative. The Marlins, on the other hand, are under 500. They're two and a half games back of the Phillies. Last place in the NL East. The only team with a positive run differential. They have one less run scored, a lot less runs against. 
The only team that's better than them in the East is the Mets, who cannot find the plate to save their lives. 88 runs scored. By far, the lowest number in the National League. Well, them and the Nationals. They both are under 100. The next closest is the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we knew weren't supposed to be good. That's not a shocker there. The Reds being around 500. Not a total shock. Cubs just under 500. They just had a clean sweep of the Dodgers, who are ice cold. They've been absolutely atrocious over the last week. And really, outside of Dodger Stadium, can't figure it out. Especially when they had all those awesome series against the Padres. I know it's early in the season. It's only May 6th as I'm recording this. But wow, that is shocking that they're not just running away with this. The Giants, however, are doing some incredible things. It seemed like it was a Oracle Park, formerly AT&T Park, phenomenon that they were playing so well. But they're 18 and 13. The Cardinals next up, along with the Padres at 18-14. But both teams figuring it out. The the Cardinals actually just lost today to the Mets, splitting a series after, you know, kind of an interesting run at things. But the NL is wide open right now, which I think is probably the best thing going forward because we thought some of these teams were going to be really good and we're going to, you know, escape early. and, And that could change, right? The Braves are up right now on the Nationals. They might win this game by the time that you're listening to this. Same with the Blue Jays. They're up there. That's AL. But it's not. It's it's far from being decided. And that's probably what the you want to see coming out of April. You don't want to see some sort of race where either a team is wire to wire the champion or ends up having a complete meltdown unless it's a hated rival. But regardless, the fact that in one division, last place is two and a half games back. Another, they're four games. The West, well, we can exclude the Rockies, but fourth place is two and a half games. The Diamondbacks, who are playing better baseball than you'd expect. They're scoring a lot of runs, but as expected, their pitching really sucks. Um, not really a shocker there, <laughs> to be frank. But looking at some of the stats, the fact that Jesse Winker is still playing as well as he is is awesome to see. Justin Turner, happy to see that he's having an awesome year. 333, seven homers, 22 ribbies. Ronald Acuna, he's basically picking up where he's left off and where Freddie Freeman left off for MVP races and all that sort of stuff. He already has 10 homers. Castellanos with the Reds doing really good things. The rest of that Reds lineup, though, is is scoring runs. I shouldn't say they need to pick it up. The pitching staff certainly taking a step back, and, and that is not just because Trevor Bauer left, but... There's a lot of crazy stuff going on there. It's going to be wild, though, to see how this NL shapes up because the Brewers saw him for four games in Philly. I know Christian Yelich has been banged up, but their offense is either hit or miss, quite literally. Um, they either score a bunch of runs or they go ice cold like they did here in Philadelphia. The Cardinals, you figure, are going to pick it up. Their pitching staff has been awesome, and if they keep that going... This could turn into one of those early 2000s Cardinals runs where they just run away with this division. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see. Let's go over to the AL though. Check out some of the stuff there. The Red Sox still in first place, one of the best offenses in baseball, and they're pitching while not lights out. They've let up the most runs in the division. 
It's getting the job done. They're 19 and 13, two games up on Tampa Bay, who's a half game up on Toronto. The Yankees are right there. And then the Orioles, just under 500. This is a division that is not going away anytime soon. The Yankees, you figure, continue to pick it up. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10 games, basically since the last time Greg and I sat down. They're now above 500. They're going to continue to figure this thing out. And if the Red Sox keep it going, even though they've had guys not necessarily go on and off the IL, but guys miss games here and there, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. I mean, Verdugo has been absolutely mashing the baseball. They're first in batting average, first in runs. I mean, insert any name here, and they're awesome. J.D. Martinez, unreal, 10 homers. Xander Bogarts, like Greg said last time, having it one of those Xander Bogarts type of years. Devers doing well. Verdugo, the guy they traded. Mookie Betts for. He's living up to it. And you got to be excited if you're a Red Sox fan there. Um, Pitching-wise, they're, they're getting the job done. Nick Pavetta, longtime Philly. He is uh, statistically their best guy right now. And Ivaldi, Eduardo Rodriguez, they're getting the job done too. So you, you got to be ex- excited if you're a Red Sox fan. Don't know why I tripped over myself there, but they go to Baltimore and this weekend and they're going to, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really cool to see how this team does. They're definitely a story to watch for it in the central. The Royals have been either, they came out super hot. They're on a five game skid right now. You figure they were going to try to get off the schneid four game sweep by the Cleveland Indians who are eight and two in their last 10 games. Indians right now with a half game lead on the White Sox, who we all thought were going to just run away with this whole thing. And they're doing really well. Their offense, the best in the division, 143 runs for only 107 runs against. The Indians are figuring it out. And that's something that we we questioned, Brady and I did, in that AL Central preview of how good could their pitching be? How good will their offense be? And right now it's working out for them. Minnesota, probably one of the biggest disappointments to me, 11-19 and 19 right now. Their offense absolutely mashes the ball, but they cannot, they can't stop runners from getting on base and coming around to score. The Tigers dead last. Not shocked to see that. Um, I want to be nice. I want to give them credit where it's due of the games that they get done. They, they, they're a tough out at times, but at other times it's just anemic. I guess they've been away a lot is probably a positive you can throw out to them. Um, they have a lot of young guys, though, and hopefully their future turns around quick with Casey Mize and a number of other guys out there. Looking at the West, we got the A's in first. We have Seattle in second, which is probably the biggest surprise of the division. Houston right around 500. Only team in the division with a, a positive run differential. They just beat the Yankees today in a thrilling series. We'll talk about that in a minute. Texas hanging in there and the angels who are in dead last. You got to wonder what's happening with them. If Greg was on, he'd shit all over Mike Trout, even though he has the best batting average in baseball, 398. You can't argue with that. Shohei Otani, who is doing incredible things, right? We thought he was completely busted, got hurt. He came back into the lineup. He's been great as a hitter. He had an incredible catch. If you haven't seen this, he had a comebacker that he deflected and then juggled and caught with his bare hand. He had apologized to the batter on the first baseline to say, oh, I'm sorry, I caught that. He kind of laughed about it. But Yankees-Houston, first time playing 
since the 2019 ALCS when Altuve walked it off. All the scandal stuff comes out. It's at Yankee Stadium. Partial fans allowed, but they did not disappoint. Guys coming in there with trash cans on, all this sort of stuff to boo them. They're chanting, fuck Altuve, boo, do, 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 do. And, you know, they're going complete ape shit. And good. This is what we wanted to see. We didn't get it last year, right? We had no fans. We had the scuff up between the Dodgers and them in the, you know, the, the West versus West stuff. But we didn't get to see it with fans. And now we're finally getting to see it. The Yankees are relentless to it. And you gotta love to see that sort of stuff. And don't expect this to slow down anytime soon. There's a number of different places they still gotta go to, you know, go from there. I mean, they're playing decent enough baseball that they're hanging in there two and a half games out of first place. You know, a theme in the in the American League is that a number of teams have played themselves completely out of it. Minnesota, I don't want to just stick a fork in them, they're done, but they're eight games under five hundred. They gotta go on some serious tears. Hope that Kansas City continues to cool off. I hate to say that because that Royals team is fun. They have good pitching. They have, well, decent pitching. They have a decent offense, but they are a team that grinds out. They play like they did when they won the World Series. They play small ball and they get it done. The White Sox are going to figure it out. I don't know. If you're Minnesota, you got to think that you're done there. And, yeah, you know, Baltimore's right there, but how long is that going to last? Playing the Red Sox this weekend, I mentioned. Um... I don't know. Baseball's just, it's awesome to have this all back. There's no sort of overreactions to, to anything, um, except for maybe thinking from me that the twins are done, but, or the Phillies are all the way there. I said it, I said it. They're not actually They're They need a fourth and a fifth guy. They need the bullpen to stay as consistent as they've been. They need some help, but that's why the trade deadline exists. Regardless, regardless, baseball is back in so many different ways, and it's awesome to see the one thing that is not returned is consistent umpiring. I mentioned the Phillies-Mets series and how it ended with Emily. I briefly touched upon it, but if you didn't see this, there was a review that took a lot longer than it needed to to see whether or not the ball hit the top of the fence. It very clearly did. Now, obviously, a couple weeks ago, there was the whole, did Alec Bohm get tagged? Did he touch home plate before getting tagged? He didn't. They fucked up that call. There's all the stuff with Angel Hernandez getting screamed at by people. That was out in Seattle. If you haven't seen that, check it out. With the Phillies-Mets, Saturday, this is where the real boning fucking happened. Andrew McCutcheon running from first to second. He literally stays along the path on the dirt. He never veers away from it. He created his path right there. On the dirt. The dirt is a straight... It's a straight line. A straight fucking line. And the Mets... The player... I forget who their second baseman is. That's why I paused. He tries to fake a tag. Kutch, like, moves his hips, but his legs stay in the line. One of those kind of tiptoe things. And he didn't really even lose it there. But he kept in. He slid into second base. Never tagged. They call him out. Reese Hoskins gets in safe on first base. They go to review. They can't review whether or not the tag happened. Again, did, clearly did not fucking happen. They, they can't review that because it's a judgment call. 
They decide to call out Reese Hoskins, who's clearly fucking safe. So it goes from the Phillies having a runner on first base. I think it was runners on first and second, actually, but at least runner on first base, to an inning-ending double play. They end up losing that game, this wild game Saturday night against the New York Mets. Emily and I were at the Flyers game where they lost the fucking Devils. Talk about the Flyers. We'll jump back to them. But the Phillies, you know, this stuff, and it happens everywhere. It's not just the Phillies. It's not the Braves who got screwed in that game against the Phillies a couple weeks ago. It's not just one single team. It's baseball umpires in general this year are horrendous. And if we want this game to continue, we want to see what's happening there. And this isn't just robo-umps calling balls and strikes. This is figuring it out. Replay, at this point, baseball... You can clearly see it. You have a 5,000 angles, and you get even more in the playoffs. This, If they don't figure this out, really, by I would say by the, July 1st, maybe even June 1st, but that I feel like we're asking way too much of the Major League Baseball Umpires Union. But by July 1st, then forget about it. The playoffs are going to be a complete shit show with how everything's going to happen there. And I get it, July 1st, it's halfway through the season, but they're not going to fucking figure it out. You need something on a catastrophic level to happen to... It's happening in the All-Star game. Otherwise, it's going to happen in the World Series. Call it right fucking now that there's going to be a play just like that where Corey Seager is running from first to second and insert player from the American League tries to barehand tag him and throw to first base. They call it out because the neighborhood play doesn't even exist anymore. Chase Ali literally slid that play out of existence because he was near... I, I don't know. I'm getting really fired up. But the umpiring needs to be figured out. It's not like it's the replacement refs. Remember that shit from almost 10 years ago in football when they had all that, the fail Mary? It's not even like it's that, but this needs to be figured out. This is probably the worst part about the baseball season. It's awesome that we are 32-ish games into the year and we're not wondering like, oh, has this team completely boned their season like we were a year ago when it was 60 games? If you remember, the fact that last year was 60 games and we're playing 102 more, it's just so much better. There's no weird feelings surrounding the year. That's at least nice. I'm happy about that. We're one month into the year. It's great. Baseball's awesome. Super happy about it. But the umpire needs to be figured out. Close things up. Um, yeah, I guess talk about the Flyers. First experience at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, similar to the Sixers, you had to have a mask on the whole time you were in there unless you're actively eating or drinking. Unlike one time I went to the Phillies and they told me to pull up my mask while I was actively chewing. That was wild. But the next Phillies game we went to, we mentioned it last Friday. They've kind of figured it out in terms of, you know, if you're in your own little pod, you're socially distanced, you're vaccinated to figure out what you're doing there. They have weird rules around standing room. I love standing room. At least it was cold. Thank God for a cold baseball game. Cause they let us go stand down there towards the end of the game. Mask up, obviously. The Yankees and Mets announcing that they're going to let in 100% capacity if you're vaccinated. I love the concept. If you haven't seen this, go look it up. It's great, you know, the fact that you're now enforcing people to get vaccinated. I, I don't care what your opinion is. Getting this this thing and figuring out how to beat COVID, I'm, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. But it's great to just to entice people to go that way using baseball. To do that are free baseball tickets, apparently, they're giving out. That's great. I'm just excited that we're we're moving in the right direction, it seems like, and obviously you gotta you know really get over the finish line, get the anti-vaxxers there, but it's exciting to see. And I, I guess I'm gonna throw out a stadium snack. 
because you have... Oh, this is actually something that fired me up. They still have the stupid rule. This might be only a Philly thing, or really, a Pen- it was a Pennsylvania thing, and now it might only still be a Philly thing, of you have to buy food when you buy booze. So at stadiums, they make you go buy a pretzel. They stuff all these stands with pretzels so that if you buy two beers, you have to buy a pretzel. I've talked about this before, that it goes... I talked about this way back when we first were going to Sixers games in March. It makes the purchase of, you know, two beers, which is already over 10 bucks for these giant 25-ounce tall boys. It goes from, you know, 14 bucks, 15 bucks, depending on the beer, to over 20 bucks for two beers, which is... Or no, 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 excuse me. $12 for a beer to $24 to almost 30 for two beers. I'm math. I didn't major in statistics or anything like that. Math guy. It's ridiculous. And the fact that when even when this rule existed in Philadelphia, that you could buy food. Some places were like, oh, buy a deviled egg for a dollar, a bag of chips for two bucks, whatever. They counted that as you buying food. It's great. You just bought it once. It was basically an extra. It's almost like paying a cover, but you're paying it while you're buying a beer. Now it's, you have to pay it every time. Only at the stadiums, though. Every other place in Philadelphia doesn't make you do this. And Pennsylvania's lifting all their restrictions as long as you're vaccinated, aside from mask rules. And they're still going to make me buy a fucking pretzel in a September pennant race game. I'm really overstepping my bounds here with the Phillies. But it's a fucking September baseball game because I'll still go to them even if they're 100, oh, and 162. They're going to make me fucking buy a pretzel when I want to buy a beer. And now it's you're enticing people to buy extra beer. We brought a buddy. He and I are each buying two beers so that we could stay, you know, not have to go to the stands longer. You're spreading out when you're eating. A little crazy. I don't know. Um, there's a longer rant that's certainly to be had there, probably offline. But that's going to wrap it up, and I appreciate you guys hanging out, listening to my solo ranting. I hope you guys really enjoyed Emily coming on, and I hope you enjoyed the solo pod. But we'll be back next week, certainly with an update on what's going on with hockey, the end of the regular season and all that good stuff, me, Greg, and Mark. Maybe another baseball show, maybe try to go to once a week instead of once every two weeks with baseball, but we'll try to go from there. Let us know what you guys think, because we go from suggestions from the crowd and all that sort of stuff of how they want to hear the podcast go. Obviously, we have busy lives, but we want to make the time to do this. I love doing it, certainly, and I know Greg and Mark do. I know Emily loves doing it. Obviously, she hopped on mine. She has her own podcast. Matt loves to hear the the positive feedback. We've gotten something about the draft. Got a lot of positive feedback about the draft podcast itself but we got something of asking to do a reaction podcast and and all that sort of stuff so we have a couple ideas with that so your suggestions are heard so let us know tweet at us thunder blg go on the facebook group i know i'm not the best of posting question feeds and all that sort of stuff i will try to get better but engage with it and i will remember to do that not to put the onus on you because a lot of it is on me as well but as i remember to do it and you guys ask more questions it'll be awesome and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, engage with it, all that good stuff. The bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Let us know. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe. We'll give you a shout-out. But for Emily, I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, everybody. And go Phillies!